Case. I didn't know, wait a second. I didn't know we were allowed to bring our own mic because I would have brought a doozy then. <laughs> well, you know? see that I lost. The I mean, thing we is, have these we... guys on the podcast. They bring the fancy toys. I know. They make us look bad. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't like... noticed yet that his mic stand is duct taped together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the whole problem. Is that it's, it would never sound as good. We actually use the tips of the lawn darts as electrical connections. <laughs> This is the Dark Side Records and Gallery Podcast. An important question. Beer? No, no. I got tea, thanks. 18. Beer? No. (laughs) If he didn't say 18 18 first, then I would just go on these. It's, you know. You left the 1930s wooden chairs out? They're not that bad. I got these out of a uh, southern tent revivalist uh, traveling church. (laughs) They came with free snakes. <laughs> you know where to shop, sir. How hard it is to find the Southern Tent Revivalist Church store? Just ask Jimmy Carter. <laughs> wow. Brought his own mic? Yeah. I, we, are, I, we just went over that. Sorry, I was doing store things. I'm jealous now. I, I know we could bring our own mics. <laughs> We've got this guy who's a mentor to this kid who's learning equipment repair. And... Uh, he just seems to have everything in his car. He just drives a like a Prius, I'm pretty sure. And he's a radio guy, so there's this gigantic antenna sticking out of the top of it. But like the other day he just walks in with an oscilloscope after like being in the back row. Oh, I'll be right back. And he just walks in with an oscilloscope. Anything imaginable he seems to have in the trunk of his car. I've had a lot in my my like bag or something in my car yeah i'm used to carrying a lot matter of fact i probably do have well there's not that much because we just unloaded from a weekend of gigs but yeah you gotta carry stuff people are always asking final check just oh for god's sake sit down sit down i was gonna steal your intro i just had to make sure the most important mic was working (laughs) (laughs) you look like such a fucking diva with that blue light on your face at all really you are in a i see all of you i'm the silhouette that's what it's supposed to be it has the new lighting working i don't think we've plugged it in since i haven't plugged in since i don't know if we've had it a band play since then though i don't think we have there was uh, an incident with a flight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. We Somebody were supposed to have um, Catfish, Catfish and the Bottlemen come and do like a three or four song acoustic set, but their flight was rerouted over, they left Manchester and they got to just about Dublin and the plane had to turn around for a mechanical failure. Ooh. So, yeah. That's got to be a weird feeling to be in the plane and they're saying, we have to turn around? Yes. And you're like, why are we turning around? <laughs> nope. Uh, apparently, it was one of those, uh, the inflatable slides, the emergency slides, came out, like, mid-flight. <laughs> it's just, like, flapping <laughs> yeah. along the side. <laughs> so can you imagine it's playing, like, hundreds of miles an hour? I was going to say, like, I imagine that like, creates a lot of drag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those airplanes are pretty precise instruments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you really don't want a lot of drag. I was actually, I was, uh, a friend of mine was on Facebook complaining. She was, like, flying from L.A. to New York, and she said she hit, like, the worst turbulence she's ever experienced, like, flying. And she's like, I was convinced we we're gonna die. Like, there's this guy next to me, like counting his prayer beads. The woman <laughs> on my other side is like praying to her crystal jewels or something like that. And she's like, and there's my secular ass sitting there, panicking, <laughs> going apeshit, convinced we're gonna die. We land, and the woman next to me gave me a crystal. She's like, for your connection. No good. <laughs> she's like, it didn't help. It's bullshit. <laughs> 
Well, uh, there was a time, uh, uh, backstory, quick backstory for Alan is, uh, my parents sent me to Bible camp every summer, uh, when I was <laughs> I younger. That. And I remember there was, uh, there was one year, I think we were flying to Oklahoma and. The home of fun? That's actually, it's on the, the state plaque right when you fly in. Uh, also, I'll tell you about the thing I actually did when we flew into Texas for the first time in my life. But, uh, so we were flying to Oklahoma and I went through maybe the worst turbulence I've ever been in in my life. Mm-hmm. We were in like a, like a twin engine plane, like eight people tops, and it was like terrifying. It's like Leonard Skinner shit right there. And then I just remember, uh, I don't know who said it, whether it was like, you know, the cult. I'm, I'm sorry, Bible leader, or whether it was, you know, one of us, but someone was like, we're going to Bible camp. This plane is not crashing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and somehow, I was, like, everyone was cool. And we're I like, was just saying, I right. we were, like, struck by lightning instantly. Everyone was fried <laughs> except you. It's the other way around. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about? We could, we could, this, we, is, this really is, is about it. it. This is this where is we go it. each time. <laughs> uh, a lot of tangents. Well, we have we have a list of questions. We do we do a lightning rapid fire question round. Okay, I, I hope you're prepped. I, I got gl- glad I had some caffeine. This yep, is good. yep, this is good. Also, your lawn dart score will be tested <laughs> oh, later. Yeah. I remember lawn darts. Mm-hmm. A poor kid that uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should do more. Has no problem wearing glasses anymore. <laughs> um, we should do more remote uh, episodes. Or we go to places like record us playing Just in an empty field somewhere playing lawn darts. <laughs> <laughs> So you just throw them in the ground, or do you need he, to have like? I think you got to launch them up, and they arc into what? Into yeah. a circle, like sort of like a target right. on the ground. It's target it's like based. It's precision based. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't think I've ever played lawn darts. Yeah. You're not really a sportsman. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I think they were outlawed quite a while ago. They were. Were they? Because yeah. of this guy that doesn't have a problem wearing glasses anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have illegal lawn darts. Absolutely. I, I don't know what we're doing with them, but. <laughs> I'll add them to the endless pile of shit that we have laying around here. Uh, why do we have lawn darts on our table? I just found them found in a box. In an I was pile of shit. a guy <laughs> dropped off some records that we didn't buy, and I didn't look at what else was in the box. And I was just going to take the records and throw the box away. And it turns out there was lawn darts and this eight-track cassette adapter in there, which I had never seen before. Yeah, for anyone who's listening, this is uh, this is an adapter. It's, <laughs> it's like the thing. The cassette tape with the wire that you plug into your phone, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for 1973, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you put a cassette in and it plugs into an eight-track player, and it this only is, works with Credence. Tape. It is surprisingly heavy. Like there's a lot of machinery in that thing. I love this fast-forward button. Yeah, that's cool too. This is this is this. I remember this button. Yeah, like a remote fast-forward. Like it, it's well, it's built it, into it, the front what it is, it, There's a play mode right there, and then this is stop. But then this is fast forward and is that there. is I that remember this well yeah is that native to all eight tracks or is that native to just that adapter? no just this adapter i just i i remember like being in a car and like pushing that down and just going just like one of my first experiences of like fast forwarding tapes was with one of these adapters because <laughs> you couldn't fast forward a, i don't think you could fast forward a, re, a normal eight track because of the way the mechanism was I wonder if it would get tangled because it was continuous loop right. inside there. I think fast forwarding and or rewinding was not might not have been possible, but with that it was. So this machine did it take the physical tape and wind it out to the outside edge where the eight track is, or, no, no, or did it, it read? There's just heads in there, it's magnetic to yeah. magnetic. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, it's, it's a whole other analog stage. Didn't turn his phone new off. New kid didn't turn his phone off. Yeah, he's yeah, new at this game. New podcast. And he brings his own Whoops. mic, too. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking showing off on day one. Gotta make a good impression. You're getting a swirly. And so, so you, you know, I, I haven't seen. Do you, are you guys selling cassettes here yet? Yeah, we actually, on the wall right over there, there's, uh, I don't know, 16 feet of cassettes, I'd say. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw a really interesting little diagram that was like, it was like vinyl, and it was like uh, cassettes, and it was CDs, and it was download, and it went back to vinyl, and went back to cassettes, Mm -hmm. and it went back to CDs, and then back to down. It's an interesting concept. It's actually might be uh, happening that way. Indeed. So, yeah. We even, uh, we did a, uh, a... Showcase for a new Poughkeepsie cassette only label cassette. that just started up. Wow! Wow! Yeah. There's a couple around. Local There's ones? Queen City and mm-hmm. Sad Cactus. Are, is Sad Cactus uh, tape exclusive though? Uh, you okay? You're right. Hmm. I think they're tape heavy, but not tape exclusive. Yeah. yeah. Wow! Amazing. I just think because the duplicators are so cheap right now that mm. they can, you know you can pick one up for. 150 200 bucks and then right. you know you start a tape label in your studio apartment right. get in while it's hot right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. interesting before the cassette bubble these people are all going to be millionaires <laughs> in two years millionaires so the thing now would be to buy cd manufacturing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. pressing machines when they were a million dollars a piece they're probably maybe 80 bucks a piece now yeah mm-hmm. so <laughs> probably buy them the same place we got these mics <laughs> <laughs> Look, you don't even know where I got these chairs from. So, I'm I'm just wheeling and dealing. That's that's all I do. This is actually on Girk's business card, not mine. So. Yeah, that's true. My bad. Cool. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Dark Side Records and Gallery Podcast, brought to you as always by the good folks at Dark Side Records, located at 611 Duchess Turnpike in Poughkeepsie. This is the intro. We're just going to do the, gotcha. the intro. Here. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, this, of course, is a podcast about music. Sometimes vinyl. Sometimes the music industry. Yay. Today, eight tracks. Yeah. Never, never really eight tracks. Um, anime. No. Um, no, I don't think we've ever gone there. <laughs> no, never. But now, I'm sure we've discussed hentai, but not. Specifically yeah, I was gonna anime. say. I feel like that ha- that exact phrase has been said before on the podcast. Probably by me. Yet we don't actually. Dis- although <laughs> disclaimer, I've never actually watched hentai. <laughs> If you've watched anime, you've pretty much watched hentai. You've seen it. I feel like I've yeah. sold it for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> here or at no, previous? at Fye sold a lot of hentai. I didn't realize that Fye had like a, an adult. Uh, yeah, in the back corner, at least you know, fifteen years ago, in the back corner of all Fyes, there was, it was like uh, Skinamax level though. Yeah, right? it, was it was like, like you know, it was like Playboy DVDs, Girls really? Gone Wild, and then a hentai section. There is no softcore hentai. That's no, no. I was gonna say that's. <laughs> The no, rest they, of the section were pretty separate, soft, and then yeah. they decided to... It was cartoon, so it's okay. We had these, yeah. like, uh, like Lexan covers that we had to put in front of each pocket. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all the non-hentai was just a silhouette of a Playboy bunny. But then the anime ones said, like, uh, hentai, 18+, plus in, like, red Japanese sort of font. Mm. So mm. they got their own distinct cards. Their own quasi-racist distinct cards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some guy in Albany just literally mm-hmm. made to put that graphic together. Kind of Japanese I mean, font. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you really couldn't be in Japanese. No, no, right? no. Because like Just like that it. sort of like Naruto sort of font. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, know if, I don't know if it can be racist if it's a cartoon, right? 
No, nope, just... pretty sure it can. <laughs> I think that's racism. It's not applies. really that octopus doing that thing to that girl. Why don't you ask France about that cartoons? <laughs> <laughs> you could look at old uh, old Disney cartoons, uh, Br'er Rabbit. The Song two- of the South. I love that. I have that on VHS. That doesn't it's surprise banned. me that that's in I your home. That's, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Mm, that I mean, actually, it's not a great movie, but none of that I enjoy Splash me. Mountain. I always wondered where it came from. Mm-hmm. Now I know. Yes, that's the reason I have closet racist cartoons in my house. It's it was a gift. <laughs> it's always a gift from your uncle, who's like, "Here, boy, watch this." <laughs> my uncle Remus is a good man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm JB. I'm JJ. <laughs> and we have with us. Oh, for better or for worse, my friend. <laughs> it's just a ride. I'm uh, sorry I invited you. <laughs> we have with us a special guest this week. Do, do you want to be included in, this, in the intro for this? No, if Arthur's on mic, he gets an intro. He's yeah. still not sure he wants to talk. You're going to be here? Mic. Uh, we have with us this week two very special guests. Uh, someone who, uh, in fact, helped us a great bit on Record Store Day, who is... Uh, Way more popular than we are, and if I had a podcast, it would be infinitely more pod- popular than ours. Don't don't steal my idea. Probably better That's produced. It. No, yeah. you should totally make a podcast about the work you've done. It'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. We've thought about it, but we're kind of busy. <laughs> <laughs> so are we. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we scheduled this like. But actually, that's why a I like coming here instead. You know, it's like it, I get my opportunity to speak, but you know, we share the wealth. You know, we share the the knowledge. Yeah, he does all the work. It's the best part about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, of course, have Alan... Douches. Douches. Yes, everybody everybody wonders about that. Douches like couches, pouches, yeah. Um, you know, that's the one joke I said I wasn't going to make. I wasn't going <laughs> <laughs> to... And if he, he roped me right in. It's okay. You learned how to fight early in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Douches is here, and he has brought with him, of course... Alakaitos. Who are you? I'm helping out Alan. I'm his uh, one of his assistants. In cool. training. He's in training. Engineer in training. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Welcome, both of you, Thank to you. the yeah, podcast. Love this. Love this. So, is that like a program, or you just got you guys just got in touch somehow? Yeah, I guess you know from time to time, you know, you meet young musicians that want to learn how to do engineering, and you know, and they stick around a little, and you say, you know what? you're kind of getting the hang of it. So maybe you should stick around a little bit more. And then they say, yeah, you know, I'd like to stick around. Can you tell me about this? You know, and it works out. It's like a gang. It's a gang. It's so a gang. At what point do you beat him into submission and, and you know, initiate What did I say? Three, three months. months. I said, I just oh, okay. Three you months. told me not to talk about that, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's called wiggling the XLR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we try, we try to keep, you know, um, a good steady crew around just to, to help out. There's a lot of little little tasks to do, retrieving data, filing things. So that's where they start. Coffee. Yeah, I'm cutting down on the coffee, but I needed it tonight. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like even we run a very similar, uh, let's say, hiring structure, which is it's kind of like it's half people who have come in and we feel like a good vibe and be like, you, you kind of are good at this. You should be here. And the other half is just people who don't leave, like me. <laughs> that's kind of true. I, I met JB. Point, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever told this story on the podcast, but maybe we have. We met you on our first day in business, mm-hmm. January 11th, 2000, uh, excuse me, January 17th, 2011. Not 2009? No. <laughs> okay. 
I'm very confused as the timeline of the store. Um, he came in on our, fir- our first day open and told us we should start a speed dating event in the store. And uh, I'm not sure how we stayed in touch after that, but that's <laughs> that's where it all began. Wow. And so you guys, fir- your first date was here in the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Six years later, we have yet to do a speed dating event. That's true. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've talked about it two Valentine's Days in a row. but this campaign yeah. promise he has not fulfilled. We haven't figured out how to really decrepe it yet. That's the main problem. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. In, in, in theory, theory, it's bachelors a, out there. Yeah. Artie would be a great candidate for speed dating. See, that's the problem. R.I.P. What? Mm-hmm. He's dead? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, man. Who has seen Artie in the last six months? Is it you? I thought it was during his, his stint in jail. Well, it's a little late for that. Maybe he actually did something serious this time. Could oh. be, could be. I mean, just to be safe, I'm going to already, already, already like Candyman him and summon him. That worked for Jesse so, Tepper earlier. It did, so. yeah. Nice. So good luck whoever's working tomorrow. <laughs> Not me. Look, we've had a rough week here, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, did we say where Alan is from? I can't remember. Alan is, of course, from West <laughs> West, West Side Music. Yeah, West West Side Music, yeah. Couldn't figure out how many Wests to put there, so we we, <laughs> we stopped. We stopped at two. Mm-hmm. We were originally in Manhattan for a little while, then we moved to West New York, and and everybody got confused, so we had to say, "Well, West West Side Music," and that's where that stuck from. Kinda. Mm. So, you know, twenty eight years later, can't change it. <laughs> can't change. You're it. in now. You're in. Yeah. And why should you? Done. Yeah, yeah. West New York is that Jersey? That was the whole point. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. They were like, well, where'd you move? I'm like, oh, I'm in West New York. Oh, you're, you're back in the city. No, no, we're in Jersey now. No, you said West New York. You know, mm-hmm. it's just where it, it's kind I don't of like just to stuck. admit it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beard is wrapped up in the mic stand. I, I don't know. I have a lot of friends who have all moved to uh, like the Jersey City area. That supposedly yeah. is very hot right now. Yeah. If you're moving out of Brooklyn to a cool, hip, like beacon. They're just trying to no, say No, I was going to say, they're Jersey. just sad because they couldn't get a place in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. That's Look, just inflation. Yeah. yeah. No one's Look, happy about being in Jersey City. I didn't They're say... trying to make the best of it. Like I, Anne Frank in the attic. <laughs> I, and we just got there. <laughs> Made it. That's a confusing milestone for the podcast. <laughs> Told you I was tired. So uh, so we met, uh, we met a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what what was the exact uh, point at which we uh, at which we talked. I know we had uh, we had Antic in here. That's right. Yeah, we did have that that group. Yeah, they were pretty cool. And and was that, it was Halloween. I think it was a Halloween right around party. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because there was yeah. a lot of costumes and glow sticks. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we yeah. Were, yeah. I was finding glow sticks for months under the bins after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who was that? I was working. I think it was me and Becca. And like she would walked in and there were like everyone in like costumes. Just like, I don't know why I just walked into. This is weird. <laughs> and we were doing the direct uh, lathe cuts. That's yes. right. Yeah. That's right. That's cool I do stuff. remember that. That's cool stuff. In fact, we have those uh, framed and hanging up uh, on the wall. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Fun little merch thing. I'm so sad I missed that. Where it was you? super cool. I think it was just like uh, it was a babies needed me at home sort of night. Mm-hmm. So those things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it, and then we—that's when we started talking about uh, pursuing the live recording thing here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really taking it up a notch, bringing our own mics and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know what's—I just wanted to bring up a point that what's—I'm wondering if there's any kind of correlation between the the decadence in the music business and the and the proliferation of the 
you know, giant super CD stores because they're so impersonal. But this is so much fun to walk around in here. And so I think there's more, you know, independent record stores open. I think we have a chance of saving the music business. I may be prophetic here, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah, I think so. It's, you know. I mean. As long as they don't open in Poughkeepsie. Because then we got to throw down. (laughs) I think it's certainly true that the decline of the music business has led to the rebirth of the indie record store. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. There's got to be some kind of scientific correlation there. But and then you know the the fortuitousness of record store day ten years ago Mm -hmm. that like really put it back on the map again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I think in general, like indie stores, each have their own unique character that you're not going to find at a Best Buy or Barnes and Noble that are such a cookie cutter enterprise. Mm-hmm. Well, having having run one of those establishments, you're not uh, in no way is it about the music. It's about the hentai. The <laughs> I'm sure there's a way better margin on hentai than there ever was on a CD, even when CDs were still 19.99. It's you know it's minimum wage positions, so you're you're just looking for bodies yeah and there's not you know you got lucky sometimes with people with passion and uh i would say most store managers ended up being either failed musicians or people with liberal arts degrees that didn't know what else to do but loved music so yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no it was great to see on record store day here too the you know the line outside and people inside packed it was it was awesome it was a crazy day like i would say like record store day has always every year been our busiest day of the year and we've always like managed to outpace ourselves each year, but um, this was the first year that there was no lull in the day. Usually around either like late afternoon or early evening, like sort of dinner time, we'd have a little slowdown. But it yeah. stayed busy, like yeah, right up until after today is the day it was done. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it does. It doesn't surprise me that the tactile, you know, experience is you know really a draw for so many people. You know, um, whether or not they, you know, I, I, I'm working with bands all the time and, and, you know, they're, oh, are you mastering for vinyl or CD or download? Oh, vinyl. Oh, yeah. Well, well, what kind of turntable will you have? Oh, I don't have a turntable, (laughs) you know, or whatever. But uh, they're still participating in mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. you know. I, I cannot remember the stats off the top of my head, but, uh, I went to a convention of uh, industry and record store owners this past fall, and uh, one of the speakers was giving numbers about the actual demographics of vinyl buyers, particularly in the U.S., and the huge majority of, like, 24 and under are only purchasing vinyl to own the vinyl. They'd have mm-hmm. nothing to play it on. Well, you know, okay, that that segues to this story. I won't mention the band name, and it, it's not a big band, so it doesn't really – matter but brand new. so uh <laughs> that's, that's a different story um uh so um we're you know again finishing up the mastering session and at the end i, I you know we kind of have this session sheet that uh rose in the office puts together and it's like oh okay so you know so you guys are you know you need a ddp master for this this and vinyl masters and one guy goes oh no no we don't need the vinyl master i'm like oh okay well let's just scratch that. no 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 we need it I'm like, well, wait, wait. One guy's saying he needs it. One does it saying he's not needing it. So what's the deal here, guys? And then they're like, no, no, don't tell him. I'm like, what's going on here? He's going to find out. He's got to. I'm trying to figure out what, what's going on. So then they decided to tell me that what they did was they went around to all the different, you know, 
dollar stores, pawn shops, whatever, bought as much used vinyl as they could, printed up labels with the band and and their logo and the, and the song titles, put their labels on the used vinyl, bought blank sleeves and made jackets up because they get they get the jackets for like twenty five cents or thirty cents a piece, and you know and the and the label is a penny a piece and the sleeve is a penny or two a piece, and they were putting other so they were putting their their labels on somebody else's vinyl, anybody it could be you know Gloria Gaynor it could yeah. be you know uh, you know um, Screaming Jay Hawkins it didn't matter, and put it inside their jacket with a download card. And they were willing to bet that people won't even notice. Hmm. Now, is that stupidity or – no, I'm not going to say it. It's certainly <laughs> an interesting experiment. Well, yeah. it, but uh, it, it, I almost it, respect it, it it's, at the same it's time. Sa- well, I mean, you know, it, I, I, don't, I don't write it. I just report it. Um, <laughs> but it says what an important part of the culture it is. It, you know, it, yeah. It's about the, the image of that. Yeah, that they will, yeah. and the collectible. I, I talk to bands all the time that are pressing vinyl. They're like, they, they at a gig, they can't sell a CD for five bucks, but they can sell their vinyl for twenty. Right. You know, mm-hmm. with a download card. And yeah. The question is to whether or not. I mean, I think ultimately, especially if the quality is is in the vinyl, and you're holding on to it at some point in your life, you're going to want to hear it. You know. I guess that sort of uh, segues slightly into. So, what is? Explain the difference between mastering for vinyl and mastering for a CD or a digital. Okay, well, jumping right in here. You mean with brand new, or do you mean with? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Um, well, it, you know, it is kind of funny because years ago, when we were mastering in general, when vinyl was the primary format, um, you know, everybody wanted their vinyl louder, right? Everybody, you, had, you know, and, and it made sense because the. The deeper you could cut it, the better your signal to noise ratio was, the better it jumped off of the, you know, the, the groove. And then as vinyl disappeared and we got the CDs and we were making all that loud, everybody wanted their, their CDs louder. But it worked. It made people jump. It you know, drew, drew attention to it. When vinyl started coming back, all of a the sudden there, was, there wasn't a volume war about it anymore. And so what we were able to do was we were able to put the more dynamic – versions uh, from the high definition mastering mm. onto the vinyl. Mm. So the vinyl depending upon your cartridge setup typically has about 50 dB signal to noise ratio, something like that, 52, 54, 48 if it's one of the plastic ones or something. So you so you've got about 50 dB of dynamic range. On a CD, you got 96 dB of dynamic. I mean, it's it's hugely more dynamic. So you can store incredible dynamic material on a CD, but nobody does. And here we take the more dynamic masters and we put them in the medium that actually can't handle it, in a hey. sense. But because we're not, people aren't compelled to. You know, I, I don't know anybody that has a multi-disc vinyl player anymore right i mean you know we, we sway everybody away from even yeah, using them. right exactly right but so so at, when you take it off you turn the volume so you're always adjusting your volume that whole experience now lets us in mastering master for a different audience and all and often the the vinyl audience you know is 
more inclined to listen through a whole side, right. not just a song. So when you're mastering for digital, there's an immediacy. You know, it's got to be that seven seconds. You know, it's got to grab you. It's got to hit right off the bat. On vinyl, chances are when you hit that whatever side, and it's and it's interactive. You know, so you put it on side two first, and you put it on the first track. You're not going to listen. Chances are you took the 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 time to take the record out, put it on the turntable put on that first track to conscientious effort, you're going to listen through more. And actually we've, I think, I think I know it. People will listen to an album more if it's on vinyl than it's on the phone because you get interrupted by a phone call, by a text, by a thing, by a whatever. It's too easy to skip around. Mm -hmm. So, so when we're mastering, we're thinking of that. We're thinking that it's not just bang them over the head quick. We're actually thinking a more dynamic experience so we're not compressing it as hard. We're not limiting it as hard. So that's more of the emotional. There's technical things, too, that obviously that the medium can't handle, extreme high frequencies and lows, out-of-phase material. So there's some technical stuff that we, that we certainly keep an eye on. But the really surprising thing, and, you know, and also sometimes for people to check their vinyl masters, we give them of their sequence because a lot of times the sequence will be different, you know, there'll be different fades or something, different timing in between tracks. We'll give them a reference MP3 of what, you know, is going to be uh, cut. And it's amazing to hear people take the CD, which is, you know, 9060B, you know, full 16-bit 44K, and then give them the MP3, which is, you know, a compressed, you know, lossy format, but it's more dynamic. <laughs> And then they take them and they listen to the two back to back and they're like, well, why does the MP3 sound better? Because we didn't squash it, because we didn't limit it hard. You know, we allowed the music to breathe. And so, hence, it's a more enjoyable experience. You guys are kind of baffled at me. I'm, I'm so completely me, baffled right I now. I mean, does, does it make sense though? Because it's really interesting to understand that, that we were actually taking the more dynamic master and putting it in a less dynamic medium but people so, find but people it, are finding it more enjoyable yeah wow so is it like the it, placebo effect then like it's just the well, no it's, it's the act of listening to it and like putting the needle down and the pops and the hiss and i mean i think there there is uh yeah the tactile thing the you know the engaging experience certainly makes you like something a little bit better yeah, I think that that certainly has to come into play with it, but um, but technically speaking, it's a it's a better master, e even though we're putting. I mean, when I say it's a it's a inferior medium, I don't mean to say that it's bad. It's just when you measure it, you know, as far as the the like numbers to it, numbers, it's, yeah, it's more like, limited, right? It's you know, left and right separation might be thirty dB on vinyl if you're if you're lucky, you know, at one kilohertz. On a CD, it's 92 or 94 dB. I mean, so your left and right separation on a CD, it's drastically different. You, you know, you can do much more creative things coming off of that digital medium. But it doesn't engage you in the same way. Yeah, because, you know? like, just from my own experience, I've had so many times when I, you know, I, I grew up on CDs. I didn't really grow up on vinyl. I found it when I became a teenager. Right. Um, that was our generation. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, I, I had cassettes and then CDs when I was old enough to actually buy music on my own. Mm -hmm. um, I've listened to so many things on LP now, where I feel like, and maybe it's now I'm questioning: is it just emotional? 
or I feel like I'm hearing more detail than I ever heard when I listened to a CD. Well, what the experience should be well, – what's really interesting about it too is that you can take a vinyl playback and record it digitally and like it better than the original digital source. And and I've seen that a lot of times from people where you know it's and and a lot of times even like with some of these turntables they're USB turntables they're so it's not an analog so and for that matter it's rare to find people I mean here in the store it's awesome even when we had the DJ the other day you know it was kind of like you know you're hearing an analog source um, many people don't really know what a real full analog system sounds like you know. That's true, and yeah. you know, and it actually ha- a good system can have a significantly better signal to noise ratio and a dynamic range uh, than a digital system, but they're super expensive. You know, yeah, just, you're yeah. not going to get that. Wow, I know. I know when I, uh, I didn't mean to go deep on you guys. But, you know, <laughs> no, no, I, I am like, a master. That's engineer. what we want to do. You know, that's, yeah. what, that's what we're here for. I, I know when I listen to the uh, you know, Once Upon a Time, there's a thing called a Pono. That came out for like oh, yeah. six months. Oh, yeah. Pono was awesome for about three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> they just um, announced they're shutting down the Pono store, actually. Uh, stopping production. Well, it was the, it like was, just last week. It was their sales approach with their salesman. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of not really the icon that we wanted to be selling. It was with. the Zune of this generation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for the record, Dark Side Records still has some Ponos in stock available for Do sale. Really? They are now yeah. antiques. Yeah. Yeah. The price oh, is going oh. up. <laughs> but but now, I, I remember the first time I listened to the Pono, I think the first. Album I downloaded from the Pono store in like FLAC format was Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, which was like one of my all time favorite albums. And there was definitely more depth to the track than I'd ever heard in any other format, whether CD, cassette, or vinyl. Right. Uh, I mean, there were like guitar riffs I'd never heard before. It sounded like an all new, a whole new song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing about it is that digital is, it can be awesome. It really can be. But it's it's they're big files, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the the electronics to it need to be you know done properly. But it's just not necessarily fun, you know. And that's right. the thing. Like even just walking around the shop here, you know, it's just like it's just so much fun to just flip through big pieces of artwork and say, oh my god, I, you know. But it's not the same as just scrolling with your finger in right. iTunes or something, you know. That's something we we talk about all the time. It's it's. I like to equate – people all the time say, well, who's buying records? I can just have it all right here. I like to say that it's a convenience versus engagement. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and both are fine. They're their own worlds and people are free to choose. But, you know, I think our customers in particular are, you know, they're engagement people. Yeah. They're looking for a nostalgia or a connection or ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I think that the for a band to press vinyl, even though maybe they don't have a lot of fans and it's hard to you know um, for them to afford to the expense you know thousands of dollars when you really you know never mind you know potentially an extra hundred dollars in a mastering fee or something like that, but like when you talk about plates and lacquers and you know and, and pressing and the jackets and all that. Um, but what you do wind up with is you wind up getting your audience to listen deeper into your record, listen yeah. longer, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. Um, and not to mention that if it's sitting somewhere, like, you know, I, I see what my daughter has, you know, which, her vinyl that she buys. And it's just like, and I'm like, oh, what are you listening to? You know, and you can see it. It's not like it's in the phone. I don't know what she's listening to. It's, I can see mm-hmm. the, the jackets right there. 
No two live crew for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, she grew up on some pretty hard stuff, so she's she's allowed. It's good. Yeah. Um. Actually, an interesting story about she was. I was mastering a cave-in record, and um, and as my my wife was going into labor, and I actually had to try to finish the record before we left. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, not yet. Keep you her know? in. Keep yes, her in. Yes, it's a crazy thing." I heard a similar story today, except it wasn't a cave-in record. It was a grilled cheese sandwich. I was. Yeah, she was uh, complaining about you know terrible hospital food. And I had gotten up late. She'd been in the hospital. She was in labor for like over a week, technically. And so she'd just been there, just contracting for a week. And I got up late one morning, and I'm like, okay, what, do you, what can I bring you? She wanted grilled cheese. So I was at Uno's up the road. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was bitching about how long it was taking, waiting forever. <laughs> and she's like, it doesn't matter. Come now. This is happening. <laughs> and I was like, I've never been in such a panic. <laughs> I sped to the store. The old store. I like. I had nipper threw, with me. You threw your dog. I at literally me. threw the dog, like <laughs> onto the chair, and like I gotta go. And then it was still like twelve more hours by the time I got to the hospital because it, it started and then it just stopped. What a cock tease. Yep. She was very sad because apparently Uno's doesn't make that grilled cheese anymore. They don't, and um, it that wasn't. Was her last you know chance. what though? She did still eat it because uh, around eleven p.m. they still weren't born, and. Uh, she sent her dad out to my truck to get the sandwich so she could eat something. <laughs> she she mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, back to this digital thing because I'm I'm a little blown away by what you told me. Um, so can you talk about the difference between what you're getting out of like a super audio CD or a blue spec CD compared to just a normal con- consumer grade CD? Uh, well, yeah. I mean. Um just higher sample rates, you know, fuller bit depths. And again, you know, the a CD can sound pretty good. But I never just, complained about but CD, we, personally. But we, but we just abused the technology. Like I said, you, you know, 96 dB of dynamic range. You know, like there's a, you know, there's a, a story I used to tell about, and I'll tell it again now. Um, when we were first time we mixed to a DAT tape, a digital tape, which is the same format digitally as a, as a CD uh, and half-inch analog. And we were mixing on this Trident board, and there's a switch that allows you to hear which two of the playback devices. And, and we had, were mixing down to it, and we'd switch back and forth. And at the time, the only thing we were – because everything was analog, the way you judged the quality of an analog device was signal-to-noise ratio – left and right separation, frequency response. That's what you did. That's how you judged it. Like, well, which tape machine is better? Well, which has the flatter, truer frequency response? You know, well, and which one, you know, has better signal to noise? You don't want to hear that tape hiss. You know, that's how you judged it. And when we AB'd the half inch to the DAT, we were judging it on those same, it, you know, those same constraints that we were used to judging one analog machine against the other. And we were kind of like, we just, we I remember my buddy Steve Watson, uh, my assistant, we, we just looked at each other and we we're like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> because, and, because it also, it beat it in dynamic range. 
you know, and it beat it in left and right separation, and it beat it in in truism of frequency response. Now, you know, what we came to learn is we actually loved that bass bump, depending upon, you know, and you could vary it. Again, it's, it, the analog was interactive. Depending upon the speed that you're mixing down to, you get a 50-cycle bump or 100, depending upon the tape machine it is. It could be 50, 60-cycle uh, hump. Um, so, so, but we're, we miss all that stuff in between that's in the grid. The thing that I hate about digital is that it is a grid, that it's a, there's a finite number of places that energy can be stored. Mm-hmm. And, and as we keep compressing and limiting things in digital harder and harder, you know, if you think that there's 16 bits of audio, you know, if, if we're squashing it into the top, you know, 12 dB or so, of, of of dynamic range, we're, we're losing two thirds to three quarters of the potential of wh- where we could store that information. So as we make things louder and more in tune with auto tune, everything starts getting a smaller and smaller grid and it all starts to sound the same and we can't tell the difference from it anymore, hmm. which I've, I find is quite remarkable. Again, my, you know, my daughter will be just playing stuff and I can't, I'm thinking, like, who is that? Is that so-and-so or is that – it's just they sound the same, you know. Whereas on vinyl, I think I think we, we talk about it. We, I think about, you know, when you heard Bill Bruford's snare drum or something, you know, from Yes. You, you know, you heard that was his sound. And we, I miss that, you know. Hmm. Nostalgia. Digital. So, so DSD is awesome. We have a DSD uh, recording deck. And it you know operates at you know five point two megahertz you know sampling rate. It's, it's I don't it's know amazing. what DSD is. DSD uh, digital digital stream uh, audio. Okay. Yeah, it's D uh, uh, SACD. Oh, okay. It's SACD is is one, one form of it. Okay. And they they it sounds awesome, um, but again it's it's you know it's a lot of data. You can't store it in your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and there was also a licensing issue. Sony mm-hmm. owned the license right. to it and mm-hmm. didn't want to you know, let people mass produce them, you know, so to get back in the day when, you know, when, when CDs were the rage and then DSD was coming along and saying, Hey, we sound so much better. Well, you know, I mean, I was doing indie mastering. So the, the bands were only selling maybe, you know, the average band, maybe 20, 40,000 records or something like that. Well, to get one DSD disc pressed was like 50 grand. You know, so, you know, so it was the cost, it was just cost prohibitive for anybody right. to enter into that world. And, yeah. the, and the consumer's perspective, too. Like, I remember when SACD came out and I, I read all about it and I was excited about it. I was 15. Right. I, there's no fucking way I could afford a player. Yeah, there were $1,000, $2,000. Yeah. yeah, it was really highbrow stuff. And because Sony was owning the, li- they owned the license to the technology. And rather than opening it up and saying, let's let the format flourish, they said, "No, nah, you got to pay it, you know, for all of our R and D," and it crashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking Sony. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask JB. Yeah. I am always bitching about Sony. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let me take it in the opposite spect- spectrum. Um, I've never actually listened to a proper reel-to-reel tape, but I've heard from so many people that just come like to come shoot the shit that that what you can hear on like a quarter inch or even a half inch tape is so much even more detailed than what I'm hearing on LP. Like, I, I the one scenario I can remember is, I think on Zeppelin 2, somebody was telling me that you can literally hear the squeak of Bonham's uh, kick drum pedal, whereas I can't hear that right. on the LP. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, that was part of the, um, you know, the creative process, too, in the studio. That's why, you know, we go back now when we hear, you know, all those little mistakes and things that were on recordings, you know, that you never heard. But now because, you know, they're remastered or something that we're starting to hear them. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know vinyl. Like I say, it, it's it's it can be one. I mean, I don't know if you guys know. I have a I have a pretty rocking turntable, uh, uh, Force L Air Force One. It's linear tracking, runs on compressed air and stuff, and it's cool, pretty <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, and we use it to do transfers and things like that, um, which uh, and can be really enjoyable to just listening to the Dark Side of the Moon on. But um, but it takes a lot of money to make it sound that really great. Right. Nowadays with t- with with tape decks you can buy a used quarter inch deck for um a couple hundred bucks, a decent yeah. one. 149.99. 149 you have one over here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sony. Uh, so and Sony deck? Okay. Yeah. You know, and, Sony. <laughs> I mean and you could probably find I would suppose reel to reels. I mean they, there's a company that is that is re that is selling those, right? Yeah, there's a there's a brand new company, that, or it's an extension of another company who has started putting out commercially made reels again. Yeah, but they're really fucking expensive. Yeah, yeah, but th- that's you know when you have you know the thirty thousand dollar turntables, it, right? Who cares right. if you spend two hundred dollars on a reel a quarter inch <laughs> tape to, for your enjoyment? Leonard yeah. Bernstein or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, I mean that that's the original analog format. Analog, yeah. you know, I mean, um, and. We perfected the analog recording devices over the course of about 50 or 60 years, you know, from wire to tape, you know, and, and up through the early 80s when the, you know, the, the Studer A800s, A827s, you know, those t- two-inch analog machines, they are just absolutely awesome. You know, they sounded great. Um, and then, you know, so we, we, you had decades, three, four, five decades of perfecting analog recording now in digital you know we're now maybe 30 years in but i don't know that we're going to get it much better <laughs> you know it's kind of depressing but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i guess where does it really go from here especially with the push towards uh lower quality formats as well home home holograms of Tupac, just come into your home, Alexa. <laughs> well, Play I, Tupac. I mean, um, you know, there there are, like you say, you know, the the Pono player and things, and um, mastered for iTunes, and you know, there are people. Title made an attempt at it, you know, to try to have better resolution digital. Um, but again, it's just not that engaging thing. Yeah, I mean, I, like the mass the market just doesn't give a shit. I, I always, I mean, I enjoyed listening to the Pono, but I wasn't going to travel with my phone and. Yeah. Pono player, right. like it was, just didn't make sense. Right, right, yeah, uh, and and I would suppose from a certain standpoint too, the artwork it really has suffered. You know, I mean, I think that's a, a you know can't be um, at all a reason why vinyl is is coming back. Is it's like we love the vinyl, we love the artwork, we love looking at stuff and the tactile thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, like I can see what my daughter's listening to. Her friends can see what they're listening to. They bring over a record, they'll, yeah. they'll play it. You know, um, it's like oh, you got that. It's not you know. There's there's something way more engaging that that ties people together. So I often own up on this podcast to being the sort of like vinyl layman. Uh, where, you know, I originally collected vinyl, even like when I first came to the store, was artwork purely. I had a piece of shit turntable. I mainly listened to things digitally anyway. Right. And it wasn't until like 
uh, like truthfully, I learned so much just being here and just talking about things and understanding more. And like as you know, I've gone on and have built up things that I have at home so I can actually listen properly. And right. like I've I've sort of opened this new world to myself. But it is remarkable. Like when you were saying about like what's the difference? Like I'll I'll have say maybe four out of five bands don't even realize that I'm putting the more dynamic version of their music on the vinyl. Like, like it's, they're not even, they don't even know what it's supposed to sound like. Like you say, the layman on it, like they're just like, Oh, Alan knows what to do with it. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, there is a fairly very successful band that we've done that. We, I do it with a lot of bands, you know, and it's not out of, you know, disrespect to them or mischievousness. It's just, that's what the that's the way that format's being listened to. You know, yeah. people are listening through an entire side. It's got to be engaged. If it's all plastered all the time, even in a band like Converge or Dillinger Escape Plan, even that there's so, there's a lot of dynamic in that music that is more evident on their vinyl than it is on their CDs hmm. or on their digital downloads. All right, I'm I know we've talked about this, but I'm just trying to really wrap my head around it. So when on the CD, we're getting more compression just because of the nature of how people are listening to exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. It, it, it's, it's, it, you know, um, I think that's where I lost it. Like before, cause I've always, I've always been a proponent that you're, you're getting more out of an LP. Mm. And I was not like, I don't really listen to CDs anymore. Mus- musically more. You're saying musically, musically more. more. Yeah. Like that's that. what I've always told people, but now it, it makes more sense in this conversation now because when done properly, you are getting more range because you're getting more compression. You're- Otherwise, yeah, you're getting a much more musical product. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. also being cut from a 24-bit, uh, probably 96k master. So you, you're 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 sourcing to that analog format with a higher sample rate, a, a higher bit bit depth. So you're getting more dynamics, more frequencies that are going into that master. You know, it's it's about half of that which winds up going onto CD. You know. That's exactly what I've always said, yeah. but I apparently <laughs> but, but did, dude, I but misunderstood but the, the reason why. the funny thing about it is if you just look at the specs about a vinyl turntable or a stylus or a cartridge com- combination and a, and a CD player, the CD player's technical specs blow the cartridge away. Right. I mean, with rare exceptions, unless you're spending five or $8,000 on a cartridge, the typical cartridge is only going to maybe do 30 cycles to 15,000 and a CD is easily right. doing 20 to 20,000. You know, so it's got wider frequency response. Again, the, the left and right separation signal, all these specs are better, but because we're taking a much more musical, you know, master and putting it in that, it's just deceiving. And then, and then you can get into the whole psychoacoustic thing that when it's not so compressed, that the, the device, the turntable does actually become part of that playback. You know the the style, right? You know mm-hmm. the you know how is it vibrating? How is it vibrating the cantilever? You know the tone arm. Mm-hmm. How does all that interplay with it all? And um, I have a, a a good friend, Michael Fremer. He writes for Stereophile and has uh, Analog Planet. Um, mm-hmm. I should plug his his uh, website, analogplanet.com. And you know he's like one of the aficionados of you know, and he's got you know crazy you know continuum $150,000 turntable yeah. you know and it's it's truly amazing you know that when you can you'll really really listen to again that limited format i mean the i mean the the vinyl that that there's not as much frequency response not as much dynamic range worse signal to noise ratio but you listen to it and you go i'm way more affected by listening to this absolutely than anything else yeah 
It's remarkable. We just got in a um, like a, a sizable batch of original uh, Blue Note, Prestige, Riverside, Early Atlantic stuff. Just they just sound so incredible. Yeah, and it, for someone who's never really experienced much jazz, I just wanted more and more and more. Yeah. Like I probably played half of what we got. Just you know, <laughs> typing, doing whatever, but. I'm stopping going, holy shit, this sounds good. Well, that's the other thing is that, you know, as an engineer, you had to learn how to get it to get played back out of that vinyl that way. You know, in the digital mm-hmm. world, it's, mm-hmm. it's an exact duplicate. So, you know, you could be mixing down in the studio and you hear your final, you know, digital master and you go, well, there you go. That's what the CD is going to be. There's no surprises. Isn't that mm-hmm. wonderful? Well, in one sense, it is, but it, it, it that wonderfulness isn't as great as what it could be right and you had to learn how to make sure your left and right was in phase and you weren't putting out a phase low frequency information on your mixes and you know and you realized that when the playback after it was cut that that center information would get a little bit hotter so you would pan things out a little bit wider for the for the on the master so that on the vinyl would just just suck in a little bit you know it was a little bit of a more of a black magic f- format yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like mixing down and having that vinyl come back sounding great it's funny. It's. It, I think. Uh, do you think a lot of people think about how people, the end user, is going to hear their record? Well, I mean, as you as you climb that ladder of you know uh, status in the engineering field or in the pr- production field, it starts to matter because if you're not selling records or if your artists aren't right. marketing themselves well enough, you know, you're not going to get you're not going to get hired again. So every advantage you could possibly have is is you know. Is to your advantage there. I mean, but it's just, do you see that from like a band perspective? Like, so you're you're mixing a band's record. Do you think they're thinking about how you know their fans are going to experience their their record, or is that they're leaving that up to you? I I, th- I think they often again as they climb up higher. Okay, they're they're hiring you to experience that. Gotcha. I, I mean, bands come in, on, you know, for sessions all the time, and they go, look, you know, just you know, do what you do. You know, just mm-hmm. you do what you do, and we're just here to just check it out and take some pictures so we can show people we're here or something. Right, you know? right. And and I, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm I'm honored that they feel that way, and I often say that that's what I'm going to do anyway. Regardless. But I'm also I want you to participate. I want you to hear. I want to know. And we often spend 15 minutes at the beginning of a session just talking about music. Just like, hey, what what have you guys heard recently that you like? You know, let's talk about it. Oh yeah, we heard such such. Oh yeah. And if I haven't heard it, I'll even just try and download it just to check it out. Right. Just to hear and get a sense get of where they're at. Where on. they're at. Yeah. I think what's interesting is when they'll you know you you hear a band and they start saying oh yeah we love you know old Beatles or whatever and then you, you actually play the vinyl like I'll I'll play it in the in the control room and they're just like. I've never heard that like that, you know. So, uh, it kind of reminds me of the story. So, again, on that trip I was at uh, last fall with a bunch of record store owners, they had a speaker come who was Cosmo Vinyl, who is uh, this English dude who is like a tour manager for The Clash for a long time. And if you ever listened to the, uh, the Clash live at Shea Stadium, he's the guy at the beginning going, Ladies and gentlemen. So he did his, his speech, and it was all about negativity, and it was really cool. It was a good speech. And then afterwards, they put us on a bus to go to some like seafood restaurant for dinner. And uh, I was sitting on the bus on the inner seat, empty seat next to me. He gets on the bus. He's like, oh, could I sit here? And then my mind was fucking blowing because now the tour manager <laughs> of the Clash is sitting next to me. I had so many questions. But the first thing I went to was we had just gotten in a U.K. 
test pressing of London Calling. But I couldn't actually confirm that it was a test pressing because there's no markings on it. The only thing I had was like a data sheet that somebody had slipped into the jacket. So I started asking him about it, and he confirmed my suspicions that, it, yeah, it was probably a test pressing, and that it's entirely possible, because they only made like 10 of them, he said, that it could have been one of the copies that they took to Joe's grandmother's house, because when they got the record, the whoever did it in the studio said, do you want to listen to it here? And the band said, no, I want to listen to it how I think our fans are going to hear it. So he took it to his grandmother's house to play it on like the little furniture hi-fi deck in her living room right, right. and i guess there's actually a picture of the band sitting around on this couch listening to their test press of london calling which is awesome. just a cool fucking story that is, that mm-hmm. is cool yeah that record is for five thousand dollars <laughs> no no that record went home in my collection <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know um it, it was interesting to see you know um the transition uh of how people were listening you know like from like i you know, I predominantly grew up with vinyl, you know, and even as I was engineering, I was starting off, you know, it was vinyl. CDs had just come out, but they were so expensive for bands to press that, again, like you're starting off as a young engineer, you know, you're not working right away with major artists. So, you know, everybody was still pressing vinyl. And then to see the transition to digital and, you know, kind of being amazed, like the first CDs that that we pressed, we were so excited about, you know. And but it 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 went away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it went away. Yeah. I just heard that there was a there's another um, another mastering facility that uh, um, they just they throw their backups away every few years, you know, and and so with that goes all the high resolution data. And you know, we, we I I have ever a copy or you know availability to get at all of our high resolution audio all the time so so if there are new formats that come out and even the vinyl like a lot of the vinyl reissues that people are doing now uh we're just doing street light manifesto right now you know when we're going back to the 2496 files and you know we're not necessarily remastering like because those higher resolution files are stored with all of the eq and compression that we wanted but not the limiting that was used for the cds so they're more dynamic and we're and so yeah so you know what the vinyl that's being pressed from that is going to sound awesome and significantly better than the cds it's 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 remarkable that's awesome i mean it's remarkable if to 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 think that the older technology is a way more musical and you know you can we can talk you know metaphysical too. I mean that you know about you know electrons and how it's pulling through the atoms and the atoms are moving and the vinyl gives and takes. It's a living thing. You yeah. Know, just strictly, just you know the the fact that we are taking a more musical, engaging performance of you know technical performance and putting it in this lesser format. It's it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. When uh, when you say you're storing things, are you talking about digital files? Digital, yeah, those are digital. Are you yeah. storing like tape and stuff too? Uh, yeah, we have. Yeah, we've got quite a few. So do you have like a, a vault, like a you know humidity control and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> Alec, what do we have? We have a tote just open. Yeah, just by. It's. I mean, the, we there are quite a few. I mean, you know, um, of the older bands, we have you know the Misfits, Ramones all the death reissues that we're just re- all their two inch masters we have all those there's a whole wall of that hmm. um 
So yeah, there's a. I mean, it, it, it used to be one room, and now it's the hallway and the back room and things. And the strange thing too is that you know you call people to come and get them, you know, because I've moved like I've moved the studio. The third so I've moved it twice. I'm in my third studio, and you call people all the time. You go, okay, hey, listen, we're moving. Come and get your tapes, and they're like, <laughs> mm, can you hold on to them a little bit long? You know, <laughs> and so this to this day, I've never thrown a master away. I just refuse to. I I actually recently a year or two ago pulled something from 30 years ago that I found. So I, I can't believe that I had the tape. You know, yeah, but, uh, but we had it. We well, you hear stories all the time of people who want to do reissues or whatever, and trying to source down the original tapes yeah. and nobody really seems to know where they are for the most part it, it because yeah it's uh, they're they were cumbersome you know and and people you know put them in the top shelf of the closet or something um and that's a whole nother thing baking and, and transferring them into higher resolution too we do that um i don't even know what that means baking well t- you know tape is a it's it's metal mm-hmm. it's iron oxide and just like the railing on your you know front stoops or you know on your steps if it's left out in you know humid conditions with right. the, the the water it's going to oxidize it and, and, it, yeah. and it oxidizes it loosens up and it falls off tape does the same thing mm-hmm. so in order before we do a tra- if we transferred an old tape that was in a humid environment in an attic or in a moist environment in a basement we actually have to bake it to pull the moisture out if we don't it starts to stick to the heads and it pulls the oxide off the tape in which case it's gone forever right then it's done so we bake them at varying temperatures over long periods of time you know uh often you know over six hours eight hours 12 hours um at fairly low temperatures somewhere between depending upon the batch we have recipes for different kinds of tapes and what years they were made what the conditions were but um 180 170 degrees something like that what are you baking them in um it's a convection oven you know there's a fair there's like two major farberware kind of convection ovens that were like about a thousand dollars a piece back you need in the day and then pretty much anybody that bakes tapes regularly that's what we have Hmm. you know there are some other like dehydration Hmm. smaller ones that'll take smaller reels and things like that but they take longer, and they're not quite as sealed, so they don't they don't do quite. So as you good don't recommend job. trying it at home. No, especially <laughs> if, don't put it in the microwave. <laughs> don't do that, please. Um, Alan ruined my cassette tape. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it, but <laughs> <laughs> my um, Beatles masters. No. <laughs> well, actually, one of the one of the funny things is that when we do transfer tapes, and we you know we'll go through the whole procedure, and could take you know a day of. Of baking and then transferring and then, you know, you make a copy of it and you send it to the people and they go, "This isn't my tape," but you know, the, it's, it was in their box. <laughs> right, it was right. A different tape. That's funny. With Guar, that just, actually that happened with Guar a couple of years ago. That they, I transferred uh, a reel that they were remixing so a bunch of them and they're like, "This is the wrong." Record. <laughs> this is Carly Simon. <laughs> yeah. That's how they got that song. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it happens to major artists, you know. Hmm. Just so, yeah. There's another studio down in uh, Central Jersey, uh, Tracks East, that's going through a changeover of ownership, and um, and they have they have a lot of tapes. They have you know probably two decades worth of two inch tapes, you know, or so. And the new owner is like, well, what do you do with it? I'm like, well, don't throw it away. I'll, yeah. I'll come and get it. You know, I mean, or I'll send Alec to come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, give him a little plug over there. Uh, <laughs> saving the tapes. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We, um, Roberto and I, a couple of years ago, got to do a, like a back, 
back access tour of Jack White's facility in Nashville. And uh, there was, like, two rooms that were off limits to the tour. It was Jack White's office and his vault. The vault, his yeah. Vault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got, like, this huge vault that they built in the middle of the studio that has, like, some crazy it's door like a on silo. it. silo. Well, it was like a cylinder. Yeah, there. it was. And uh, I can't – it's so long ago, and I can't remember, but something about there's some sort of special, like – gas built in there where if even like cigarette smoke comes in contact it it'll automatically release something and seal it hmm. it was like, it was like a foam that crazy. seals the yeah. door wow. yeah it was crazy shit well you know they are the masters <laughs> are you guys familiar with metal Ma- uh, iron mountain up here yeah yeah you know yeah. that's the tape storage vault for you know but not just audio but videotapes and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff oh i thought they yeah. were just Ray like Ray? A, a destruction yeah no, oh, no. Yeah, yeah they, they. Their logo is a buzzsaw cutting through a CD. So I well, they also do like paper shredding. Yeah, and I thought they just destroyed like shit. Yeah, it was a, it was old uh, iron mine, and uh, th- you know, with the potential of a uh, some kind of you know war breaking out. And, yeah. and missiles headed to New York. How does how do you protect your catalog? A record company, what's it worth? It's worth your cataloging contracts. Well, the contracts are paper. You can store them a lot of different places, but. You got to that ma- that magnetic tape is your master. That's it. Where do you store it? You store it inside a Iron Mountain so that the the magnetic fields from the radiation yeah. and everything won't kill it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have never thought that deep into yeah storing yeah. Yeah. Uh, tapes. Well, with Holy us, shit. with our with our digital masters, I mean, you know, uh, I you know, on our day to day basis, you know, we back up to hard drives onto two drives because if you don't. In digital, if you don't have two, you don't really have one. <laughs> so, um, and I take one home with me every night. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just you know, just in case of any situation. Like you, you, you have a backup like every day of your oh, entire yeah, thing. Yeah, twice, twice a day, probably. Yeah, of everything. But, like, so, but every day you're taking a backup home with you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. wow. In I a mean, we case he handcuffs it to his <laughs> hand. <laughs> Takes it home. Well, I te- and I tell all my employees, you know, like if, if there's any kind of emergency, fire, flood, whatever, what's the first thing you grab? And, you know, and the, uh, the first assistants are always like, and they think like, what's the most important piece of equipment? Oh, you know, grab that EQ, grab that, you know, uh, compressor. Oh, he always uses that compressor. It's like, I don't give a shit about the compressor. Grab tapes, get tapes, get the hard drives out, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what's mm-hmm. worth. So they get fired if they save themselves and just yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I thought we were about to go into a like a quiz mode for you really fast. All I can think about is that that mountain that's got. Uh, I have no idea where this is. I'm just going to paraphrase, but that there's like a mountain in Norway or something where they are just like storing seeds. Oh, the seed bank and yeah. everything. Oh, it's yeah, like in right. the event of it's a, like, like in a pop, the yeah. right outside the Arctic Circle or something like that. Mm. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I mean, that, now that's all I perceive for Iron Mountain is just same thing, just music. I can't believe that bands don't pick up their tapes. I mean, you know, or that that. I mean, that we have them. I mean, I guess they're. They know that I'm a maniac about it, so they're not. They're sort of mm. leaving them with me, you know. It's the same symptom, I guess. It's yeah. CD listening or CD mastering. It's a complacent population. Yeah, you're the you're the yeah. you're the. Maybe guard. they just know that it's safer on your wall than it is in Grandma's attic. You know, they they do feel that a lot. They they do say it. they're like it's safer here than elsewhere. You know, I'm like great, but we don't you know we don't charge <laughs> to hold yeah. them. And Metal Mountain, Iron Mountain, they charge you know to to. To take your tapes. You're like you're the guardian. I'm the guardian. You're the guardian I'm of knowledge guardian. and history. Oh, the you are masters. Oh my god. 
I don't want to make a Lord of the Rings reference here, but uh, if your beard was a little longer and you had more of a robe on, I was going to say like, Kurt Russell. From okay, we can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he wasn't okay. a guardian. He was. He wasn't guarding things. I don't know. I but, just saw, I went to the movies so I, know, I could eat popcorn and get out of the house. <laughs> Wait, are we still talking about Gandalf? Because no, I went to Guardians Gandalf of the Galaxy. Gandalf wasn't a guardian either. I love the fact that you guys it's sell false. hi-fi no. gear here too. I mean, I think that's that's really cool. It's a, something we're getting more and more into. I yeah. only started maybe. Two and a half years ago, it just just seemed to be a need for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because where where else do you, I mean you know where else can you get that same tactile feeling? You know, I mean even if it's the choice between a red platter or a clear platter or whatever on your turntable, it's yeah. nice to see it there and say, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. That's what we, you know. That's kind of how we all grew up. You know. And now we're starting to dabble in like repairs as well. And so it's yeah, I just heard you opening up that. a whole a whole other world for yeah. us too. Yeah, and you know it's it's all. You know, buyer beware. This is a capitalist venture here. So, you know, it's a love, but at the same time, if we're getting people in to do repairs, those aren't necessarily people who are coming here otherwise. Right. It's just more people in the door, and then they're telling other people and more repairs and more record sales, and right. the right. whole thing goes around. Yeah. It's cool. Awesome. I had a, a long conversation today, in fact, with a woman who came in and was looking to buy a some kind of stereo setup for her daughter who was 15 but we probably had a i don't know a 20 minute long half an hour long conversation about experience and what she wants to get out of it and what she grew up with versus what her daughter is growing up with and how they both perceive it and it, it really just sort of uh like it became like a philosophical conversation more than like a technical you know talking about like details of of what makes she was questioning what, what's what's a better system, a receiver with speakers, or like we have the starter kit speakers that are you know built-in preamps. And I was like, well, it depends on what you want to get out of it. It's all about the experience and what she wants and where she's going in life. And does she want to take these with her? Does it need to be mobile? And you know, and she said, well, which sounds better? And I was like, that's a that's a big question. Yeah. That's that's kind of that's a hard one. It's it's really it's it's about. It, well, like I said, we it, in the end we just had this long conversation about like experience and yeah. what she wants to get out of it and and how she's going to perceive the music and that's what a, a lot of people that's that's often the conversation that we end up having in that hi-fi room with people, which is is great. That's yeah, and I I wonder if uh, you see the same hurdle on your end, but here we see a lot of people not willing to devote space or sort of afraid to devote space to a system like the smaller the better it seems and i think that's a product of phones and streaming and the ipod and how can you get the best of both worlds yeah it's like people really like more often than not people are going well i have i've got 24 inches can i fit this whole setup in 24 inch space right right i mean you know i think for somebody starting out absolutely Mm-hmm. But and you know we hope you move past that. But do you see the same thing as like gear coming smaller or anything? Well, the, yeah. Like? You, well, in digital recording, with you know everybody has their laptop has you know complete multi-track, you know amazing recording facility right there. Um, but again, gets into that the grid mode. It's you know it's yeah it's very powerful. There are things that it can do that the older analog technologies cannot do. But um, it's a grid. And, and every time, you know, and that's, it's kind of phenomenal that I'd, I'd say more than half of all the projects that come in 
are either at 44 kilohertz or 48 kilohertz sampling rate, the mix downs, even by well-established, you know, mixing engineers, that they're not going to 88K or 96K. Uh, we actually have two DSD recorders, um, and we will loan one out. If, if people are mixing in the analog world or, or summing their music in the analog world, we will loan you one of our DSD recorders so that we can store that analog mix in the best possible format, DSD, mm-hmm. and then just send, you know, and it's a file. It's a file, you know, but it's, you know, 10 times the resolution of a, of a CD. And so we'll, we'll gladly, just because it's going to sound better, you know, we yeah. made that, that expense. So can we just come to your place and burn really nice CDs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, Kid a, when, when, um, when Kid A came out, uh, someone rented an hour's studio time. To ju- he he bought the disc and he uh, he brought it to the studio. And he just he, and he, you know was that whatever that was the Tuesday I guess it was and just said I'm I'm going to come right here. I'm not going to listen to a note and I just want to pay you for one hour's time. I'm going to listen through this album. Wow, yeah, mm. and I got to hear it too. So awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I would have never thought to do that. Well, yeah. now. Well, yeah, well, now, yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's funny you say that because something I was thinking about earlier, talking about bands and, and their files and whatnot, we uh, now, at least in the past year, we've had two different bands who have come in or, uh, you know, either called or emailed me ahead of time and they've said, like, hey, I got my test pressing uh, for my album and I don't have a turntable or yeah. I don't have a good system, I, you know, and I, I just, I want to hear it. I want to hear what it's like, and I will often get the phrase, I want to hear what it's supposed to sound like. And they'll come in here and they know that we can put it on here and it'll sound good and or they don't have turntables so then it'll just sound like anything, you know. It'll sound like a thing. I, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of test pressing uh, checking, you know, the people will send me their <laughs> test pressings because, yeah, they have no way to check it, mm-hmm. you know, and... I mean, I, and I'm happy that somebody's checking it, you know. Right, right. Um, but uh, you know, it's it. I think it's growing though. That I don't know. I'm probably only checking maybe one or two a month now. When it used to be, and although mm-hmm. the numbers are up on the vinyl, it used to be, it used to be at least one a mo- once a month. Um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, when people weren't pressing as much vinyl, so it was, I was mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. it was more right. frequent that I was actually checking it. You know. Uh, some good stuff. I have some good old test pressings too. We uh, yeah, we did a tour a couple of years ago at a pressing <laughs> facility, and you know they kind of lead you through the whole history of the building. And we got to the room where they listened to the test pressings, and I was incredibly dismayed at what a shitty turntable this guy was sitting there listening to these test pressings on. Right. Like, I feel like it had like the red Crosley needle on it, but I can't be 100% sure right now. It was just the guy in the room. It was like in a closet, yeah, it was, basically. Yeah, it's a closet with a pair of headphones and a shitty turntable. It was like an ion. It was an ion turntable, the very same one that you used to have, like mm-hmm. that black curved one. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're listening to a test pressing on this? Yeah. I was I was disheartened. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, have, I have two turntables in my control room. I have the, the Forcell, and then I, I have a... Um, um, uh, was it the MM7? Mm. Or is it MM7? 7.7 or, 7 7 or whatever. 9.1. Music Hall. Yeah, it's yeah. MM7, I think it is. It's the three-plith one. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. So, um, 
you know, and, and that, you know, that's nonlinear tracking. And that's what I normally check it on that because, yeah, it's a little unfair to check it on the $30,000 turntable. Right. Versus, you know, uh, $1,800 turntable or 15, whatever they, what do they sell for? Uh, I think those are above that now. They're probably, probably around three the grand. Three. Right. Yeah. Because the, the, the entry level on the 2.2, which is what I have, it was 500. So, what kind of cartridges and styluses are you guys selling here? Uh, we're selling Grado and Ortofon and Sure for the DJs. Which Sures? You don't have V15s, do you? Uh, the, no, the M97XE and whatever the DJ one is. I can't remember yeah. the top of my head. <laughs> what the DJ ones are. Yeah. The big, you know, it's the one that all the scratch DJs want to use. That's the one stock. Yeah. But we stock the full line of Grados up until you get into the reference series because, yeah. you know, again, yeah. this is very consumer grade here. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I'll stock the entire Ortofon line up through the 2M Black. What's, what's amazing is listening to a mono disc with a mono cartridge. Do you guys ever experience that? I have not. I've always know. wanted to. That's, you know, in a sense, it's kind of going back to why mono sounds great. Like, if you hear Pet Sounds and Mono versus Stereo, like, to me, the Stereo vis- version is really cool. Like, I, I kind of like the Stereo version. But the mono version played back with a mono cartridge is is really awesome yeah it's kind of crazy that that's the way that's the case but, yeah but it actually you don't get that left and right click and pop and de- kind of phasey thing that happens mm. because you're listening to a stereo cartridge it's just mono you're just getting the sum of the two you know yeah i've always had a fantasy of being able to have multiple. either multiple tables or a, a table that I could just easily pop the, a different head shell on and off so I could have that experience. Well, you can mount multiple tone arms true, on true. it. True, I know people that have done that, yeah. He so. has twin daughters. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yep. Yes. So. Um, what about uh, a question somebody posed to me maybe a week ago that I fumbled my way through, but somebody asked me um, – Sonically, what's the difference between 33 and 45? Like, why are a lot of mm. audiophile mm-hmm. pressings pressed at 45 RPM? More real estate. You know, you, you, you can, you know, you, you have considerably more distance to cut the same amount of information. Um, it's the same reason why the outer grooves sound better than the inner grooves on any record, in a sense, is that the inner groove only has, you know, a certain a mm. smaller circumference. The record turns at the same speed. At 33 and a third on the out right. on mm-hmm. the outside, you've got three times the circumference than you do on the inside. So the outer grooves sound significantly better. Um, the inner grooves have far less space to cut that in. Uh, so that's why reissues are coming out on like double LP or used to be a single, and they're yeah, you know, three tracks. That's something six interesting to talk about because yeah, you know, if you don't when you get a, a record cut. You know, and if if it's only a ten minute side, you know, people want to separate that groove so you don't get as much, you know, uh, intermodulation groove distortions and stuff. Um, uh, but in fact, you want to keep it away from those inner grooves. So cut it all on the outside, if at all possible. Um, but so here's something interesting. So hmm. I we do, you know we'll master you know double vinyl records all the time, and you know, and then inevitably there's a five minute side. Because the record's really 55 minutes and right. the way you're breaking up 10 songs. And it's like, well, you know, it doesn't – we'll just put the – I never listen to the side that's five minutes long. 
You know, unless it happens to be an absolutely <laughs> awesome song, it's like it's just too short. I don't want to have to change the side yeah. after five minutes. You know, so I often try to get people to throw something else on, throw anything, even an interview, a dialogue, anything on that that last piece, wherever it's made. You know, the thing that drives me crazy is uh, when there'll be a double LP come out and side four is just blank, mm-hmm. like not even etching mm-hmm. or anything, yeah. just blank. Yeah. It is weird. Knockdrama. Yeah. Uh, new Michelle Branch record. Well, I'm, not, that, I'm, not, I'm really? not a Michelle Just, Branch kind of sewer like you are, sir. Listen, <laughs> neither am I. But uh, the other day, Aaron flipped the record from side three and wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and I was like, why am I hearing this noise? It was quiet. It was it was pretty quiet. Right, but then we right. got to the end. And I was like, wait, the arm is already at the end. And I went and looked at it. And there's nothing on side four. Nothing. Do you guys do you guys ever do like you should do a a class here on setting up tone arms? So many times we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, My, uh, Michael Fremer has a great DVD about it uh, uh, about setting up tone arms, and cartridges, and you know, doing it simply. He he does it you know lots of different ways. You know the unit pivot. You know mm-hmm. as well as you know lots of different formats. Um, yeah, that would be an awesome thing. Yeah, we've we've been talking for probably two years about making even just a youtube video like how to set up your turntable when you get it home like well, you just bought the music called usb one right this is what you need to do right right um but it's not as much fun if you're doing it by yourself it's you true gotta, yeah you gotta come out and hang out and try stuff i think i even uh, my goal for 2017 which clearly we're halfway through but uh my goal for 2017 as of last year was to do like a dark side clinic series and I wanted to do it on the stage, and it would be like Sundays at 11 in the morning, and it would just be like maybe an hour. You know, I don't know what the details would be, but it would be – one would be like setting up a turntable. But then I really wanted to branch it out. I wanted it to be like um, – I wanted to do a yoga class, and I wanted to do like a CPR class, and I wanted to do a – like how to uh, set up your guitar class. And, and they could each be sponsored by different people and – and so we could get someone who's really knowledgeable in their own thing to come and do it. So you're not going to teach the yoga class? <laughs> you don't want me teaching the yoga class. I'm not coming if you're not teaching. Have, have you guys heard about there? There's a couple of people um, that like do these listening parties, but like high end. Like they'll get somebody that was involved in the record. Um, you know, it could be like the person who you know. Roger Dean that designed the artwork or, you know, or somebody, somebody, maybe the A&R person or an engineer from the record or something, and they'll do a listening party and they'll, they'll, you know, they, and they, people pay like 40, 50 bucks to be there and you listen through the A side and then in between the A and the B side, this person that's involved so in the record the, does the a Doors record in LA. Yeah. We yeah, would that, do a uh, thing uh, like that in LA. Yeah. Uh, you know, you should do that here. I would love to do that. Yeah, like, yeah, we should start doing that. We could do it with uh, today's the day. Yeah, you guys sure. ever hear of that band? <laughs> Who? <laughs> what day? Yeah, I, I think it'd be great just to have like somebody to, um, you know, bring in a nice like a nice hi-fi system, set it up. Let well, you somebody guys have really... great systems here. You know, we do. Like, actually, I put those Dalcos. Are of... they still here? The Dalcos speakers? They're tucked away. They're but tucked yeah. away. Yeah, bring yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah. There's. I've got some uh, Dyn Audio speakers too, which mm. I. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the eh. yeah. Um, similar to that, I was I've always wanted to do like a lecture series where we just get somebody who's really knowledgeable about something, and just have people come and listen to them speak about whatever hey. it might be. Hey, you're in it. I know. I know. <laughs> well, but so there are weird. a lot of people like um, 
VPI is uh, local to the tri-state area, right? Great. Well, yeah, they're in Jersey, right? Grado, he just died, right, a year or yeah, so ago. Yeah, yeah. So he was in Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, they're still in Brooklyn. Right? They're still in Brooklyn. Yep. You know, there are a lot of, yeah, I mean, you could get uh, you could get equipment manufacturers to come up and do, I think I think it's good. I'm glad we're thinking of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody out there has connections to anybody cool like that, let us know. Anybody would be interested in that, let us know. Yeah, that too. The other problem is it's it's not easy, but it's easy enough to set up cool events. But you always want to have a good turnout as well, and that mm. is sometimes the challenge it of our particular I mean, location. It, you know, it's like anything with a band. You know, it takes time. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, you have to – I mean, I think you guys are doing – I don't know. I think it would be great. I'll help, you know. So There we go. Yeah. Right. Lecture number one. Lecture number one. Uh, yeah. Do I always report, thought it would be great to have – David Martin to do a whole session on Miles Davis. Mm. That would just blow everybody's fucking mind. Maybe the bridge here is that uh, I've been wanting us to do uh, live podcast recordings, you know, at set up like a venue style thing where people come and watch and we do it up on a stage and record it. There you you go. We were going to do something at the Falcon where we were going to do like – you know, for for local bands, you know how to maximize your marketing, your promotion, all that kind of stuff. That would be a good one, yeah, for you guys too. Especially that, like, you know, that one, especially if you're trying to target that to local bands. Like, I think that could have a pretty big draw here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just do a. You know, it doesn't have to be a three day seminar. Yeah, just, discount at the local hotel thing, but just like a an afternoon, just yeah. get a couple of people. And we we used to have this thing we call gear and beer, and we're trying to get it back in line too, which was just, you know, the second Tuesday of every month we would just get together, you know, at at a location, and we would find different locations around, um, especially North Jersey or the Hudson Valley. And we would just get together. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, you'd have 30 people. Sometimes you'd have seven, you know. But it would all be studio guys, and we would just get together and just talk. And we're trying to institute that again just to help promote better audio, which mm. I don't know if it's a segue anywhere. But but I think ultimately the, the resurgence of vinyl and mastering engineers putting that more dynamic stuff. I think we are getting back to a hi-fi world. You know, we are, you know, I think people are starting to recognize better quality again, you know. I just think even people just need to be shown. Yeah. It's sort of lost. Like there's a generation that just sort of abandoned it. Right. And then there's a generation that never experienced it. Right. Yeah. Like there's, you know, I've definitely experienced here before somebody coming in and, you know, a child and a father and explaining what a CD is and that, you know, right. being somebody who grew up primarily with CDs right. is mind-blowing. Right. Yeah. It's like I remember my dad specifically telling me once that there were no Game Boys when he was a kid and I was like, what? I did not understand. <laughs> You're so stupid, Dad. <laughs> Always do this. If you, if you did a seminar, you could do a technical, you know, talk and then you could do a musical talk. You could do a marketing talk, you know, you yeah. get a wide ranging thing. You know, uh, setting up the turntable. That's not hard. I, I could help you with that one. You know, you guys are probably pretty good at it, too. I'm okay at it. I just doubt myself. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> he once popped all the wires off my uh, cartridge. No, you did that. You, <laughs> I was I, there. You know what? You were there said, and it happened. And I think it, you know. Well, it's I funny. Don't want to point fingers. Someone I mean, popped them off. In my in my control room, you know, I've got my my gauge. You know, mm-hmm. my um, my all my cleaning brushes. And the, and we were talking about vacuuming records and you know, and cleaning records. Um, 
you know, it's when people see that they're kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, and I have the loud vacuum on that. My nitty gritty machine. It's like, <laughs> you know, so everybody goes running. What is he doing? He's, I like to compare the uh, the Akinaki versus the music hall one that we're using, and people are always blown away by that. Just the the pure decibel difference between oh, yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah. Any, have you ever put that uh, wood glue on a record to clean it? No, I, I always I can't. I can't do that. But I, I've seen too impatient. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. if I owned one record, maybe that would do be you guys, fine. You but. know what? See, because a lot of the seven listeners that are out there um, may not know, but you you can take a record and pour like Elmer's wood glue or, or whatever on it and smooth it out so that it cakes all over the top and then let it dry. And then when it, when it dries, it's not perm- it's not hardened yet, but you pull it off and it's like you're peeling it off and all of the gunk inside the it record peels right off and you have, comes out with it. You have a, um, a negative or a positive Stanford, of the record. Yeah. yeah. I just want to say I feel like I weekly I tell people not to do that. People come in and say, hey, uh, have you heard of putting wood glue on your record? And I was like, no, don't do, don't do it. <laughs> Stop. Well, how about demagnetizing your records? With like the Milty gun? I, I, no, that's static. Okay. That's okay, static. Yeah. Demagnetizing them. That I've never done. I was a disbeliever of that until I heard it. And you know, and Michael Fremer played it for me. He, he played a record that he hadn't demagnetized yet, and we listened to it, and it was awesome. And then he demagnetized vinyl, which is not magnetic, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> by nature. And I, it sounded better. I'm not going to say you know the blacks were blacker, the, right, you know, right. the silence was silent. Snozberry you know, tasted yeah. like snozberry. Right. You're not writing for stereophile. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it actually, it just, it, it sounded better. What do you demagnetize a record with? A, de- a record demagnetizer that costs five thousand dollars, Justin. <laughs> Again, <I> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was—I've almost thought about trying it because I have a two-inch tape demagnetizer. It, you know that it's got a little motor on it. It's got a you know mag, a very strong electromagnet, and it rotates it so that you can demagnetize a two-inch re- a tape. It, you have to flip them to get it fully demagnetized, but you can demagnetize it in you know thirty seconds. Versus putting it on the tape machine and hitting play and record on all 24 tracks and letting it wind through, which takes 15 or mm. minutes or 18 minutes, which doesn't seem like much. But when there's print through and there's all these other complications, when you're working in an analog studio, it's like, no, demagnetize it. You know, if you're going to go over a reel of tape, demagnetize it so there's none of that residual noise left over or the music left over um, and uh, and use it. And I was thinking about I, I wonder if I could do that with my vinyl on that. Hmm. device yeah crazy i didn't believe that i mean you know those you know the people put those schumach whatever things those diamonds in in front of their speakers and and trestles you guys ever put trestles put your on trestles and things like no that? i haven't and done that again it's there's a certain science a to it that that makes sense <laughs> well if you know that you're you're talking about electricity that's passing you know in two different directions separated by plastic which becomes a semiconductor mm-hmm. and now you're what you're basically creating by having current on two sides of a semiconductor creating a capacitor and so it will discharge every time the currents go past zero and it can produce a little tick ever so faintly within the in the within the wire so when you raise your cables up off the floor especially if it's a carpeted floor you're no longer inducing the carpet 
as mm-hmm. being part of that plastic non-conductive. So it, at certain levels, you can find the science to make it make sense. Right. Just whether or not you've got the yeah yeah guts to do it. You know? <laughs> I mean, I be, I have my systems bi-wired. I believe in bi-wired. So many questions I want to ask, and so many things we didn't we'll even come back. touch we'll on. Come back. I, I would love to do this again. Yeah, sometime. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, uh, honestly, uh, we should go to him next time. Done. Done. Yeah, we could do it. We could do it. It's going to sound. Do you have better microphones? Yeah. 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 Do you want us to bring these? (laughs) (laughs) You hear my Anne Frank joke in high (laughs) depth. I'll bring this mic stand. You guys bring that cable. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Cool. Be like we're right at home. Well, I mean, it's kind of like I was saying with this gear and beer thing and even doing some. I I think, you know, there is a big hobby part of it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and. You know, uh, I have several friends. There's another friend I have down in Cherry Hill, New, New Jersey. He's got, you know, probably has a half a million dollars easily in his stereo setup. You know, guy was an accountant and whatever. But, you know, he, if 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 I drove up to his house, which is actually kind of modest, and he had a, you know, $300,000 Ferrari, would I think he's crazy? No, I'd be like, wow, there's a successful man. But instead he puts it in his stereo and people think he's crazy. But right. no, it's really that's his hobby. That's all. Yeah, you know, and I think it's, and that, you know, there's a couple records. Um, well, there's one that comes to mind that was uh, very dynamic. The whole experience of the record, much like we were looking at Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the uh, Moon, or the Wall. You know, where the listening is really an experience, and you 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 really get engaged with that experience when the material helps you get there. But the technology behind it, if it, get, if it draws people in, if people are into listening to music because it's a hobby, hell, that's awesome. You know, So that's what you guys have to do, right? To yeah. make mm-hmm. people buy more vinyl. Yeah. This, we're uh, dealers of nostalgia and uh, purveyors of culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's and, our new T-shirt. And, and dick ultimate, jokes. We got some good dick. Jokes. And ultimately, they're getting better, more dynamic music, which mm-hmm. is the the real kicker to it. The the other cool thing I've said this on this podcast before, but having been in business six years now, we've had customers who started with us near the beginning, who are have come and upgraded turntables sometimes twice. Like they've gone from a a suitcase to a you know a little. Audio Technica to a project now, and it's right, like right. just it's cool to see the progression. And even kids, like I was, I was talking with Aaron specifically around Christmas time. There were more like younger female shoppers here than there has ever been. Hmm. Like especially after Christmas with gift cards, like the contingent of I would guess like fourteen to eighteen year old females six years ago. This you know the store is packed with forty plus year old dudes just right. telling me stories about Led Zeppelin and whatnot, right. <laughs> and now it's just completely changed. I think you're thinking of one particular forty year old. Okay, sure, dude. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna venture that it's several. Well, cool. I Not mean, just one. yeah, I'd say you know I'd love to come back. You know, I mean, to me, it's about you know educating people about better quality. You know, I mean, that's that's why people come to a mastering session. Really, they, you know, they're not really going to make constructive criticism as to whether it should be 1.7 dB at, you know, 3.5 or 1.4 dB. You know, they can't tell. They're not used to my room. But I feel like we're educating them. I used to do it. We we had a surround sound mixing room. I used to, like, bring people into the surround sound room and play um, – the shape of punk to come in surround. Oh, nice. Which have you ever ever heard that in surround? No. 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I mean it's awesome in stereo. Yeah. But it's one of my top five in stereo, but in surround, it's my favorite listening experience ever. Hmm. I mean it blows all that other crazy shit away. Yeah. You know, um so yeah, flaming lips do crazy shit in surround, but no. <laughs> uh, Have you ever done the Zyrica record? Which one? Zyrica? No, no. The one where it's uh, four different discs that you have to start at exactly the same moment? Oh, yes. Okay, that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we, we did this Grace and State of Grace by oh. Neurosis. We mm-hmm. put together on a surround disc for a relapse, but it never re- they never released it. Hmm. Yeah, the same thing happened with Mastodon. We mixed – well, actually, Mastodon, Mastodon was released, but it's hard enough to get people to vinyl. Let's not go to surround right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go to This is two speakers. That's yeah, what we're yeah, selling cool. here. <laughs> Well, we will continue this conversation on another episode of the Dark Side Podcast. Alan, ah, pleasure. Thank you for being here. Pleasure, yeah. I thank you guys for being here, man. This is uh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> that guy, glad yeah. to listen uh, in on uh, it. You, you, you didn't say much. All right, last question. It goes to you. All right, are you his Alan Parsons? <laughs> <laughs> Working on it. I was enjoying listening in on this. A lot of stuff I didn't know about. So, cool learning experience. Glad you put that in mind to good same use. Same for all of us. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, listen. Thank you for uh, listening to the Dark Side Records podcast. Hey, if you're listening to this on iTunes, why don't you go click over in the little rating section there? Give us a little uh, five star rating, or you know, be honest. If you send us a one star rating, as long as you're genuine about it. If you're on iTunes, go send us a rating, good or bad. I don't give a shit. Just send us something. I'm forgetting something. I, you know why? Because this is the most on topic. I know. Focused I'm so podcast we've yeah. ever fucking done. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> And as always, head over to DarksideRecords.com and uh, come in the store. Uh, if you have questions for Alan for the next episode where he's on, if you have thoughts about it, you could tweet them at us using the hashtag DarksidePodcast. You could send us a Facebook message. You can email us. Uh, send us your questions. Send us your comments. We'll read them on the next episode. All questions go to Aaron at DarksideRecordsAndGallery.com. Facebook. Just put them on Especially Facebook. Especially the most ridiculous ones. You want to send them that email address. You can send, send your email to podcast at DarksideRecordsAndGallery.com, and we will uh, answer your questions on the next episode. Did anyone ever ask us any questions? Yes. Evan technically asked us questions. Oh, God. Uh, WestWestSideMusic.com? WestWestSideMusic.com. Sure. Check it out. Thanks. Cool. Cool. So, as always, I'm JB. I'm JJ. I'm Berto. Alan. Alec. Thank you for uh, tuning in. We'll uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. See you. Bye. 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 <laughs> you know, you can have it all too. Look, this—that's what I've been cool. preaching for for years. Yeah, we used to uh, do this thing. Uh, you don't uh, want to let me in with the live audience. Mi- mix- <laughs> <laughs>